what a ball game it was on Sunday as the Niners and Bengals went to overtime and Brandon Ayuk with a walk-off touchdown to get the Niners to 7-6 on the season after a thriller over the Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday. Welcome back to another episode of the 49 Away Podcast. On this episode, Zach and I will recap Week 14 in the NFL, the Niners-Bengals matchup, and we will look ahead to the Falcons-Niners matchup. We'll talk injuries, headlines, playoff standings, and much more. So keep it locked. Stay tuned. We got a good one coming your way. Don't forget to give the 49er way a follow on Instagram and Twitter for more Niners news and analysis. What a game it was on Sunday, Faithful. The Niners come storming back in overtime after giving up a 20-6 lead against the Bengals to move to 7-6. and Brandon Ayuk with the walk-off game-winning touchdown in overtime. What a ball game it was. Welcome back to the 49 Away Podcast. Jay Sahota, Zach Chevy. Chevy, what a ball game that was. Bengals, oh, Niners, man. what a game. Yeah, w- what a great game. You know, we were winning for most of the time, and then you saw us give it up, but, you know, the defense kept us in it, pulled us through the offense. You know, Jimmy G had his Jimmy G drive at the end that we all wanted to see from him, and, and it shows us why he's our quarterback, and he all he did was win, man. That's all he does, and, you know, we're now 7-6, and six, positive record. You know, it, it's looking up for us. Yeah, exactly. And last week, I I wanted to deem this game as the Jimmy Garoppolo game. And in fact, this was definitely more so the George Kittle game. We'll get to that in a bit. But Jimmy, I got to say through three quarters, I thought this game was very bland. (laughs) I mean, it was 20 to six. It was kind of boring, lacked a lot of life there. And I'm like, all right, let's just put these guys to bed and let's just get out of here. But the Niners kind of just let the Bengals hang around. And I was like, okay, like, why, why are we doing this? The more you let them hang around, the more the Bengals are going to do something. And then Burrow and Chase finally made something out of nothing and ended up tying this game up late. But Garoppolo, when we needed him to, was, again, phenomenal down the stretch in those last few drives. Almost lost us the game by throwing that pick to Jesse Bates. Goodness gracious me. But he did it. Ended up getting the job done. He made the throws when he needed to. And Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle were absolutely sensational. Yeah, that's exactly how it went. You know, Jimmy G, he he was clutch when he needed to be clutch. George Kittle, this is two consecutive games with over 150 yards and a touchdown. Like, the man is just a freak. And, you know, he's been battling with injuries in back-to-back seasons. And that's really been the story of George Kittle for the last couple years. So it's finally nice to see people talking about how great Kittle is again. Because he really is amazing and he just hasn't been able to, you know show it because of the injuries and and i'm just happy that he's back you know named nfc offensive player of the week he he's just having such a great end of the season so far story of the 49ers kyle shanahan john lynch regime is basically been they're so good but they're always injured that's kind of literally the storyline for almost every single player on our roster as sad as it is but as long as george plays you know, and he doesn't need to practice and he's out there, I'm fine with that because I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but he did not practice today due to knee soreness. And I can tell mm-hmm. there were moments in that game where he walked, where he was a little ginger. And I can tell, uh, I, I could tell that in that game, but George, George isn't going to pull his, like he, he, even if George, George is the kind of guy who would pull like a Philip Rivers and play on a torn ACL, George Kittle would do that. 
So it's going to be awfully hard to keep him off the field. Knock on wood that he's able to stay healthy, but honest to God, I would probably, I, I George and Debo are just different and you can keep them and they, they would be able to play with one day off, off of practice or one day unlimited uh, practice. Right. So I'm, I'm cool with that if they don't practice to keep them healthy, but George Kittle was awesome on Sunday. Phenomenal. I mean, just every time we needed a play, it was George Kittle. And Jimmy knew he could trust them. Get play after play after play. Last week against Seattle stepped up. This week he stepped up even bigger. That's just a hell of a job. And I, I agree with your point of sometimes people forget what George Kittle can do because I, I'll admit, I usually say that I said George Kittle's known for being one of the best tight ends because he's good at blocking. He's good at like he's good at every every kind of Every kind of thing, when you look at a tight end, not just you know being a great wide receiver, but he does a lot of great things in the run game as well. But lately, these past two weeks, he's showing why he can also tear up the stat sheet as well. But and the fact that we didn't have Elijah Mitchell in this game made it a lot better. Yeah, I actually want to talk about the run game now. You know, not having Elijah Mitchell is a huge blow because clearly he is Kyle Shanahan's number one guy when it comes to running the football. It was nice to see Jeff Wilson back. You know, it's his second week back off of IR, but this is, you know, he's finally getting more momentum back into the swing of things. And he was the lead back for Shanahan, uh, t- carrying it 13 times for 56 yards. He he looked pretty decent. He, he looked good for Shanahan. But because uh, Mitchell was out, Debo Samuel was, again, primarily used in the backfield. And as much as I love using Debo in the backfield, Debo is a 1,000-yard receiver this year, and he's been the guy for Jimmy G. And he's been getting a lot less targets. He only had one target last game, and it was his one reception for 22 yards. So I am a bit concerned about the usage of Debo in the backfield and that limiting him uh, out wide. And because of that, you know, it's good that we're seeing Kittle and Ayuk to finally step up. Even Jawan Jennings, JJ, I got I got to talk about him for a second. He is someone that I talked about coming into the year, potentially taking that wide receiver three role. And the last couple of games, he's been stepping up into that role and he has looked great. He made such an important catch in that overtime sequence in the corner from Jimmy G. So I just want to shout out to that seventh round pick, Jawan Jennings. Jawan Jennings deserves that praise. He also was amazing. Like, it wasn't even just one guy. Like, I know a lot of people go to that game and they're like, oh, George Kittle, what a game he was. But, man, you got to be kidding me. This is a team game, man. Garoppolo's the one that made the throws. Debo coming back was huge. Jeff Wilson, like you mentioned. Jeff Wilson, this wasn't his typical, you know, 100-yard game coming back. But Jeff Wilson did enough to keep this run game going. And I like that. And honestly, without him, a lot of us didn't even realize Jeff Wilson was going to go in this game. Everyone was talking about how Jermichael Hasty was the only active running back heading into this week. And yet Jeff Wilson comes off the injury report and ends up being our lead. Jermichael Hasty didn't touch the ball at all. He just did kick returns all day. So that helped as well. And Jawan Jennings, man, you're right. He was awesome. He came up with some super clutch plays, great catches. And I, honestly, I feel like we, we found our wide receiver three. Jawan Jennings hasn't been able to have a you know, a real opportunity. He was sat out the whole year last year, right? And this year he's kind of coming into his own. Sanu's been injured. So Jawan Jennings been able to take this, take his place. And honestly, he's a lot better than Mohamed Sanu. Sanu is way past his prime. He, I like the fact that we have, have that we brought him in for leadership purposes in the locker room, but Jawan Jennings is younger. He's big, he's physical and Garoppolo and him have shown that they have some chemistry in man. When you got Kittle playing the way he is right now, 
Debo the way that he, Ayuk the way that he's, and then you got Juwan Jennings. All of a sudden, you're like, well, the Niners are a run-first team. But yes, we are still a run-first team. But man, we got some serious targets right now. And, and our offense, they look good right now with all these guys making plays. Yeah, we got a lot of weapons. And when you have a lot of weapons, it's hard to cover as a defense because, you know, right now they're focusing primarily on George Kittle and Dio Samuel because those are our big playmakers. But Ayuk's now getting the targets. He got 11 targets this game, which was kind of ridiculous considering, you know, Brandon Ayuk was in the doghouse earlier in the season. He only had six receptions, which isn't great. You would like to see him catch more of those targets. But, you know, he's in there now probably getting – a lot less, a lot more looks. And because of that, it's opening up for Jawan Jennings and some other people. And, and, you know, it's just having all of these mouths to feed isn't a bad thing when you have a quarterback like Jimmy G who likes to calculate where he throws. He knows where he's going with the ball. He likes to throw short. You have all of these different options for a smart quarterback like Jimmy G. And now I just wanted to give a little praise to the special teams because I know we don't usually talk a lot about special teams, but man, those two muffed punts from Cincinnati gave us huge field positions and really changed the momentum of the game for us in the beginning of the game. And if it wasn't for that, we probably would have lost the game. So, you know, I I just got to give a huge shout out to special teams and River Craycraft and Trent Sherfield. I feel like Richard Hightower just had a huge sigh of relief after that first muff punt, especially after how last week went against Seattle. And it was us struggling on special teams and muffing up that punt. This week, exactly, River Craycraft, who we got off the practice or we activated off the practice squad for this game, comes up with a huge uh, recovery. And then Sherfield, late in that, I think it was first half, he also recovered one as well. Those were massive, and special teams needed to make make some plays, especially after the game against Seattle. It was a pretty big emphasis that we needed to be better in that area of the game, and we did a lot better on special teams than the the Bengals, on the other hand. Woo! They got a lot to fix up on special teams, but glad the Niners were able to to get those turnovers because that was a big deal in this game, to get some turnovers and to have both of them on special teams. That was a big deal right there. And the fact that we didn't turn the ball over either was a big deal. And I know we've been talking about that lately too, of when the Niners don't turn the ball over, we win a lot of our games. And I did come up with this stat line here. I had to come up with this fact. Jimmy Garoppolo, when he takes care of the football, we have won almost every single game. In the games that we've won this season, all seven games, Jimmy Garoppolo has thrown one interception. One. That's it. In the games that we've lost this season, Jimmy Garoppolo has thrown seven picks. Turnovers, man. It really comes down to that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you are not wrong. It's the turnovers, man. And, you know, looking at the turnovers on the defensive end, uh, I got to give a huge shout out to the linebacker group. You know, Aziz Alshire has been continuously impressing us every game, man. You know, he had 11 total sacks, uh, 11 total tackles, a sack, and a pass deflect. Like, this guy is ridiculous for the Niners. He is banged up right now. But with Dre Greenlaw out for the majority of the season, it's really been him stepping in there and making that huge impact. And Fred Warner, man, he may not have the stats, but, you know, Nick Bosa credited to the leadership of Fred Warner that really kept the defense in there, especially in that overtime. So, you know, only allow those three points and give the offense the chance to win the game. And, and you know, it, it's just – it's really that that linebacker core that's really been stabilizing our defense. And, and then you look at the defensive front. Nick Bosa, man, 
how many great things can we say about this guy? He has 14 sacks. Unlimited. A year after, yeah, a year after his uh, ACL uh, surgery. Like, th- th- this guy is a freak of nature, and I am so happy we had that second pick. He has really made such an impact to our defensive line. So, you know, that is really why I had to praise the linebackers and the defensive line for not just what they've done this entire year, but specifically in this game. Oh, I'm, I'm totally with you. I'm could not be more happy that we have Nick Bosa on our football team. He's been the engine of this defense. And really since that week nine debacle against the Cardinals, Nick Bosa has been the best player on the football field for the 49ers on defense for the last like six weeks. He's been phenomenal. Every time we've needed him, and especially with our secondary as banged up as it is, our linebacker core, like you mentioned, is as banged up as it is. But yet Nick Bosa is getting to the quarterback and everyone else is feeding off of it. I see Samson Ebucom was doing jack all in the first few games. He's, I see him making more of a presence in there. Arden Key's making back. Yo, Charles Amenahu, that was a very underrated move. He's out there making plays. RD line is doing a really, really nice job, especially since that Cardinals game. And I'm really glad that they're able to do that because it's going to help us in January if we're able to get there. And to your point of Aziz Alshire, oh my, I swear to God, if the injury God was a person, I would just cuss them out. <laughs> Why? Why do you have to take Aziz Alshire? You already took Fred Warner from us. You already took Dre Greenlaw. Aziz Alshire is having a career year, and y'all got to take him too? Really? But aside the point, I think you'll be okay. Freddie's going to battle through that ankle sprain as well. Um, unsure about Greenlaw at the moment. He's been out for majority of the year. Very unfortunate there. Um, but also got to shout out Flanagan Foles and Marcel Harris because they've they've needed to step up, and they have stepped up. So I got to give them some love as well. But I, I hope Aziz will be all right, and I think he will. Um, it seems like he will be able to play in this week's game against the Falcons. Um, looking at the injury report heading into that game, Elijah Mitchell did not practice. A handful of guys didn't practice today. Elijah Mitchell, DJ Jones, Fred Warner, George Cato, Dre Greenlaw, Aziz, Dante, John- Dante Johnson, which we all know did not play due to personal reasons. Thoughts and prayers are with him and his family. And yep. Mo Hurst as well did not practice. He's been out a hot while as well. And then Ambry Thomas and Jaquaski Tar both limited. And the big news today, which I do want to bring up a little bit because I want to get your thoughts on this. D Ford is done for the season with that knee back injury. I don't even know what he's got. It's something that's been just killing him. I don't know, man. The, the reports early this morning that, that we're going to release him, they were false. Um, it turns out his season was just done. But I, I feel like at some point, and I, I said this in the offseason this year, I said it that I feel like the time's going to come where I just feel like the D Ford era just needs to just go. But I feel like the only reason why it hasn't happened yet is for financial reasons. Yeah, I, I think this is finally the end of the D Ford era. And, you know, he brought us some great memories back in 2019. But since then, it's just been injury after injury after injury. He did bit, bring a bit of an impact this year, you know, helping Nick Bosa, especially uh, when he was healthy this year, because you know, people were just double-teaming Nick Bosa because there wasn't many other options uh, across from him. So I I really do appreciate D Ford for what he does, but, you know, I think it's time to go. He's just been injured after injured. We just need that cap space, and it's good that I think that cap space will be freeing up after this year. And you know what? It it, it seems that it hasn't been that terrible of a problem. You know, Nick Bosa's been 
carrying his own weight. And, and we've seen people across from him, like you said, Omena Hugh, uh, Ebucam even had a half a sack this week. Arden Key's been doing well. It's just the the people on our defensive line are picking up the slack. DJ Jones and Eric Armstead down the middle have just been phenomenal for the Niners. So uh, as much as, you know, losing D Ford for the rest of the season hurts, it's not something we're not used to. And it's something that we've had to adjust. And that's why we went and got a Menahue at the deadline. And it's why we've been trying to work on the defensive line a bit because we knew that D Ford, you know, he, he just can't be relied on anymore. Yeah, it's unfortunate. And like I just mentioned a few minutes ago, it's, you know, the John Lynch, throwing a ton of money at a guy that, you know, what what could have been, right? Giving someone a big contract, have big plans for them, and it just just doesn't happen, right? Pan out the way that it wants. It was to happen with Quan Alexander, happened with D Ford, happened with Jimmy G, happened with Jalen Hurd. Like the list goes on. And it, again, it's it's unfortunate with what could have been because D Ford, yes, when he was in the lineup, yeah, he made a pretty big impact, especially in 2019. But it is what it is. I feel like at the end of the day, D Ford, you know, it's not like he was a young, I mean, eh, well, he wasn't a young, he was an old player mm-hmm. when we signed him, but like he's, he's getting up there is where I'm getting at. Like, you know what I mean? He's not getting any younger. It's not like Bosa who's like, just get started. And when, when Nick Bosa's playing right now, that the level that he's playing, he's like one of, he's one of the best pass rushers in all of football with the way he's playing. So at that, honestly, when the time comes, cut D Ford, um, you know, do it in March, do it whenever, you know, we don't need to pay him guarantee money, however the hell that works, save some money and then pay it all to Bosa. I think that's just the best way and what makes the most sense here. And eventually Jimmy is going to get cut or traded as well. We're going to save some money there as well. So then the Niners will be able to, to save some because they're going to need it because we got to pay Bosa, got to pay Debo, got to pay a bunch of these guys who haven't got their contract yet who are balling out. But um, I don't know for, for D Ford, it's tough, man. It's tough. I mean, I hate to be in a situation like that, you know, missed pretty much all of last year, missed a handful of this year. It's a uh, tough luck for him, but you know, again, I, I hope that he's okay and I hope that you know he's able to play football at some point if it is for another team and you know, safe recovery for him. But you know, back to the defensive line, Chris Kosarek has got these guys playing at a high level right now. I mean, we don't talk about him enough. And I hope we never lose him to, to any coaching regimes or anything like that because he's an incredible D-line coach. And I think a lot of people go to Shanahan, D'Amico, Ryans, you know, the coordinators. But Chris Kosarek has done an absolutely amazing job with his defensive line again. And they're they're showing out right now. But uh, go ahead. You had a thought there. Yeah, yeah. You brought up the point about, you know, Jimmy G in the offseason. And I potentially think that we will trade Jimmy G this offseason probably for a second round pick or some, or maybe a first round pick, depending on if Jimmy G balls out in the playoffs or not. But, you know, I think Jimmy G's, you know, probably coming to an end with the team because we need that cap space to sign the other players. And I think uh, that was the plan all along with uh, Trey Lance that, you know, Jimmy G was still going to be around for one year. Trey Lance was going to learn the realm of the NBA of the NFL from him and, you know, take over. And I think we kind of need that to happen. And we kind of need the draft capital, which is why, you know, I, I think we trade Jimmy G to a second round pick, maybe to a team like Washington, who, you know, is a veteran quarterback away from competing. Carolina. East. Carolina, for sure. You know, they may not want to go the draft route. Maybe they want a veteran guy like Jimmy G for their offense. 
But uh, yeah, th- there's options for Jimmy G out there. Uh, a Jimmy lot. G will be on a team next year and will be a starting quarterback for a team and will thrive because that is who Jimmy G is. I think we should take advantage of it and get the draft pick if we can. And with that draft pick, we need to work on the secondary. You know, that's the been the goal all year. Something we've said all year is the secondary needs help desperately. Yes, we've had injuries. The injuries have impacted it, but it's not just the injuries that are making the secondary what they are. It's the players that we have. You know, Ambry Thomas was out there for his first game. Ambry Thomas didn't look terrible last game, but he didn't look great. You know, he's a rookie. He He's more of a project. He's someone that I said, you know, would probably take a year before he gets going, and, and it looks like he probably needed that full year. Although he, he didn't look terrible. Uh, Lenore was in there. You know, Josh Norman has been <laughs> our shutdown cornerback one the entire year which scares me to say because it's josh norman but he hasn't been terrible either but it's a secondary that really needs work next year and hopefully we are able to upgrade it heavily oh my god absolutely secondary is our is our weakness and you you look at the rest of our roster to be quite honest with you and you know we look like a pretty complete team it really is just our secondary right we went and we took a chance on Jason Verrett, who's been injury-prone basically his entire career. He's done in week one. Unfortunate there. Emmanuel Mosley has now dealt with some injuries. He was having a great year. Hopefully, we'll get him for a, for a playoff run um, in a few weeks. But we've struggled otherwise, right? Yes, we got Kwan Williams in there, who's been awesome. And I really hope we're able to retain him. It's going to be really tough. But I hope we're able to retain him. He's been awesome. Josh Norman, I'll be honest with you. Like, our corners, there's been nothing I that has surprised me really Josh Norman. I expected this out of him when the minute we signed Josh Norman, I'm like, we're going to get some really great plays out of him. And we're going to get some really dumb plays out of him. Cause that's Josh Norman. That's that. That's just who he is as a player. Like he's not who he was in Carolina, but Josh Norman is still a fairly decent corner. I'm going to be honest. It was kind of an underrated signing. Cause what if we didn't have Josh Norman? What if had some other like rookie or, or something, you know, playing there and would have been even worse. Josh Norman's at least half decent and will actually make you can you can rely on him to make some big plays when you need him to. Yes, he'll make some boneheaded plays and he will get beat sometimes. But again, that's just Josh Norman. And unfortunately, we have to deal with that. But it is what it is like. We don't really have any other options. And at this point, I would take Josh Norman over, you know, with some guy off the block or something because Josh Norman has been with us since week one. Right. He's he's been able to work yep. with our secondary and work with our defense now. So I'm fine with that. Ambry Thomas, I'm going to be completely honest with you. Everything that he did on Sunday, I completely expected that out of him. Those penalties, giving up the touchdown to Jamar Chase, completely expected that out of him. Ambry Thomas is a rookie. This is his first start. You're going up against an explosive receiver against Jamar Chase. I think that that's the best word to describe Jamar Chase. Everyone likes to talk about him as like, oh, he's such a great receiver and he's dealing with the drops and stuff. Jamar Chase is a rookie. He's young. He's growing. He's getting better. But he's explosive as hell. Like, he's not at that level kind of like Jalen Waddell, who's taking that step where, like, he's looking like a true wide receiver, right? Racking up 9, 10 catches a game. But Jamar Chase is just super damn explosive. And he showed it on Sunday. And I knew Ambry Thomas was going to have a tough time with that. And he got beat not once but twice. And then you got Hafunga out there who's also a rookie, right? Hafunga at times has looked like, you know, a, a guy in his third year. He's been awesome. But he also shows some times where he's been a rookie. Now when you got him and Ambry Thomas playing on the same side, yeah, it's not gonna be it's not gonna be very good. So to be quite honest, I'm cool with Ambry Thomas with the way he played because he he's gonna learn from that. You know what I'm saying? 
Yeah, you're right. And I was actually more shocked that the Bengals didn't like take advantage of our secondary woes, you know, Honest, Going I do game, agree that's with all that. we talked about. I, I just don't understand how you don't take advantage of that. You know, you know that we have an inexperienced corner in Ambry Thomas, you know, Josh Norman makes boneheaded plays attack it. And they just didn't attack it until it seemed like the fourth quarter when they realized, Oh, you know, these cornerbacks aren't good. We, we should attack them. And it's because of that, that we kind of stayed in the game. And it's something that we're going to have to, you know, be cautious of going forward, especially next week and the weeks after that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And the, the, I mean, my hope here is that Emmanuel Mosley is back by week 17 or 18 um, mm-hmm. and that ankle sprain heals up fine. So we don't have to rely on Ambry Thomas, you know, in the playoffs. That's the worst case scenario there. Um, however, Ambry Thomas, you know, he's going to get some great experience on next Thursday when we play the Titans. Because A.J. Brown, I would assume he'll be back. Julio Jones will be playing. I know Julio's not Atlanta Julio, but hey, that's a, that's a pretty damn good matchup right there, right? To have Ambry Thomas go up against that, you're going to get some good experience. So, yes, will he get beat? Probably. But it's good experience for him. And like I said, on against the Bengals, I thought Ambry Thomas played decent, honestly. Like, he wasn't awful. He made all the mistakes he made. I fully expected that out of him because it's a rookie and it's his debut. But the fact that he only got beat like really just twice and it was those touchdowns. It's not like Jamar Chase lit up the scoreboard, lit up the stat sheet and rode for 150 yards for like 10 catches or anything, right? He only really had those two yeah. big touchdowns. Ambry Thomas did a decent job. And I think Shanahan was right to give the credit where it's due postgame and said, Ambry Thomas played good, right? He's like, the only thing was he's going to learn from those penalties and he'll move on from that. And I think that he will. To your Garoppolo point, the best case scenario here is this, the Niners make a deep playoff run. It's the best thing for everybody here. The best thing for Garoppolo, because he gets to extend his tenure as a Niner for this season as if, right? The Niners are making a deep playoff run. We're trying to win a Super Bowl. It's a win-win for them. And like you mentioned, we're, we're trying to get draft capital. The better Jimmy G plays and the more of a deep run that he takes us on, that builds up his draft capital to maybe that second-round pick becomes of number one overall pick, and we get that, or not overall pick, but first round pick. Yeah, and we get and we get that first round pick back, right? That's a that's a big deal. So I'm hoping that we're able to do that. I don't know if it will get to a first round pick, but Garoppolo showing it, man, he does have value. His only downside is his injuries, right, and his injury history. Other than that, Garoppolo has a lot of value, man. Like we win a ton of games with him, and he shows that. He's a great game manager. He has trust in his players. He's a good leader. You ask anybody in the locker room about Jimmy Garoppolo, they only have good things to say about him. And like you mentioned, the market next year, there's a lot of teams looking for a quarterback. I can name a ton off my head right now. Cleveland could be in the market. Pittsburgh will be in the market. Uh, where else are we going here? Houston will be Carolina, in the market. Although I don't Washington. want, although I don't want Jimmy in Houston. I don't want to do him dirty like that. Hell no, no way. Send him to a, the, the best thing we can do is send him to a contender. Honestly, like the, we should. Jimmy did us a lot of great things. The least we can do is send him to a destination where he actually wants to go. Um, in the NFC, yeah, like you know, Washington, uh, New Orleans, Carolina, you get the just here. Maybe the Giants, who knows? You get the just here. A lot of teams that are looking for a quarterback. So it's not like. And there's, you know, not a lot of teams looking for a quarterback. A lot of teams will be looking for a quarterback. So the market is there for Garoppolo. But Jimmy, you know, he's, he's going to do Jimmy things, man. And I think he needs to keep going and 
just keep playing hard here. And this week 15, the Niners got the Falcons. Let's talk a bit about that before we kind of wrap this thing up here against Atlanta. It's a big game here. Atlanta always seems to get us at the wrong time. And the Niners struggle to beat Atlanta. And I was talking about this yesterday as well. 2019, Niners came off this huge win against the Saints. All the momentum going their way. They come home, they play Atlanta, and they lose. This year, 2021, we played the Bengals. High drama game. A lot of emotion. Momentum going our way. Now we're at home against the Falcons. Similar situation where we... And same thing what happened last year. So I did want to ask you here, do you see any parallels between 2019 and 2021? Although it looks fairly similar. Two different situations, but... Is this going to be another game where we need to watch out for the Falcons? Yeah, you know, I, I don't think the Falcons are as bad as a team as people think. I think they have a very, very, very talented head coach in Arthur Smith. I think he's uh, been kind of underrated this year, keeping Agreed. the Falcons to six and seven with their atrocious defense and, and kind of like questionable offense especially their offensive line I you know I, I think Arthur Smith needs a lot more credit and, and I think he's going to be very good for Atlanta for a long time but you know a, a looking at their offense Atlanta has two people that I'm worried about two weapons that I would say they're kind of like Debo where they can be used all around the field Cordero Patterson and Kyle Pitts you know C- Calvin Ridley's been uh, missing time in Atlanta and I don't think he's coming back for the rest of the season but Cordero Patterson has been used so well for Atlanta. He, he's, a, he's a Swiss Army knife for Arthur Smith. And Arthur Smith is such an offensive guru that having a guy like Patterson and Pitts just makes his offense so hard to defend. And, you know, I, I think that it is a team we're going to have to watch out for. As I said, you know, other than the Texans game, there isn't a game in these last four weeks that I'm kind of, you know, feeling all right about. The, the Titans that were playing on a Thursday after a Sunday always worries me because you never know how that's going to be for either team. And, and the Titans have been good this year. And then the Rams, divisional rivalry, and you don't know if they're competing for the number five seed potentially with us. We, we could potentially be competing for uh, playoff seedings in that game. So, you know, the rest of the schedule looks kind of scary except for that week 17 against the Texans. But yeah, the Falcons, I, I think if we want to win this game, we got to continue to pound the offense, continue to run the ball. Hopefully Elijah Mitchell's back. But if not, Debo Samuel and uh, Jeff Wilson will have to pound the ball running it. George Kittle will have to continue doing well and attack that defense because that offense is going to swing and they're going to continue to swing. And they beat a Carolina team, a Carolina team that hasn't been all so great. But they've had a real good defense, and, and that team is, was able to score 29 points on them. So, so you know, I, I am a bit worried about the Falcons, especially offensively. But as a 6-7 and seven team, there shouldn't be a reason why we shouldn't be able to beat them. Agreed. I mean, the, the Niners are 7-6, and six, so in the record department, there's not much of a difference there. But you look at talent-wise, yeah, other than Cordero Patterson, Kyle Pitts, and sure, you could say Matt Ryan as well. They're, the, Falcons, they're, the Falcons really don't have much talent. And I totally agree with your statement on Arthur Smith. Absolutely. He's having a much, much, much better year. And no one's talking about them because the Falcons are 6-7. and seven. But actually, we should be talking about them because they're 6-7. and seven. Because the Falcons, they weren't supposed to be this good. But the fact that Arthur Smith has managed to keep this team afloat, despite all the injuries they've had, and especially losing to Calvin Ridley, 
was a big deal there. Calvin Ridley is an exceptionally good wide receiver. But the Falcons have done a really nice job of being able to keep things up. So I, I would not sleep on this matchup. I think it's, yes, it's a winnable game. But don't don't sleep on the Falcons. Matt Ryan, for some reason, always finds a way to beat us. Like, it's, it's, it's strange. Always finds a way to keep them in games against us. So I definitely wouldn't sleep on this matchup. But we got to get this one because you're right. We play Tennessee on a short week. Uh, and that's a, you know what I mean? That's not an easy game. That's a <laughs> tough one to go to, you know, go cross country in primetime on a short week. That's a tough one. So you got to get this one. Keep your playoff hopes alive. If we do get this one, our odds, our odds just keep increasing, really. And if we lose, it puts ourselves in a pile of the six and seven teams. And you don't want to be in that pile. On top of that, like we mentioned a few weeks ago, we have head-to-head on Philly. We have head-to-head on Minnesota. If we get head-to-head on Atlanta, that's huge. That's three teams we have head-to-head on that are in that wild-card pool there searching for that seventh spot in the NFC. So big opportunity for the Niners. They're at home. Got to get a win here, and we'll see what they can do. I think, yeah, if we get Elijah Mitchell back, that would be massive. Um, I do believe I saw a reporter today that even though George, Fred, and I believe Aziz, who did not practice today, are all expected to play on Sunday bearing any setbacks. So that's great news in that department. So hopefully they're all getting ready to go because it's a big game here. And again, don't sleep on the Falcons. They're a good team. We should be able to win, but it'll be a tough game. Um, last thing here before we wrap this thing up here, I do want to ask. I know the Niners are playing the Falcons on Sunday, and I brought this up the past few weeks too, and this is the week before it happens. Frank Gore. Fighting Darren Williams on Saturday night. Faithful. Y'all got to tune into this, man. Frank Gore fighting. He's done in the red and gold on the way to the ring. I mean, this this, this going to be epic, man. Chef, you got any predictions for this fight? Oh, you know I'm watching that fight. I think Frank Gore gives Darren Williams the KO, you know, maybe in round two or something like that. You know, there was a great fight last week with the card with Amanda Nunez and Charles Oliveira so it's been some good fights and I'm excited to see Frank Gore fight before the Niners game on Sunday so it's it's going to be fun the weekend for the for Niners fans I, I I love everything as Frank has said in these interviews man saying that he wants to be back he one day he wants to be a part of a front office I love it man it, I love the fact that he still has that connection to us even though he's been gone for for a handful of years now and, man, I hope he beats the crap out of Darren Williams. Puts him on notice, man. If he, I'll tell you this, if Frank Gore is the one, although I hope it's Saturday is the night that Jake Paul loses the fight, but if he doesn't and Jake Paul's still undefeated, if Frank Gore is the guy to beat Jake Paul, goddamn, we need, like, three different statues built in front of Levi Stadium or something. One as a football player, one in Canton, and then another one with boxing gloves. We need all three built for Frank Gore because this guy would be an absolute legend if he's the one to do that. But one fight at a time here, I think he knocks out Darren Williams in three rounds. But Frank, we're with you, man. Have some fun. This is going to be fun for all of us to sit and watch this. I can't wait. Chevy, final thoughts before we wrap this thing up. Final thoughts, you know, I think the Niners go back into Atlanta and take that victory. You know, we we need all the wins we can get, especially uh, against teams that are looking for the playoffs, like the Falcons in a playoff position. You know, I think we go and we run the ball down their throats on that defense and, and we come out with that victory. I hope I hope the same. I hope we're going to need a, a big game <laughs> from our offense. No turnovers, no penalties. And I hope Shanahan gets over this hump and beats the Falcons, man. The Falcons are always a tough out. 
but we'll see what happens on Sunday. And then the Niners are on a short week and they'll play the Titans on Thursday night the following week. So enjoy the fight. Enjoy the game this weekend, Faithful. And we will see y'all next week. And of course, don't forget to give the 49 away a follow on Instagram and Twitter for more Niners news and analysis. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the 49 Away Podcast. Keep it locked. Stay tuned. we got a lot more Niner content coming your way. And don't forget to give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter for more Niners news and analysis.